0: Blog Talk Radio mm-hmm.
1: And later, B 360com This is Fanatic Radio, America's premier sports music program presented by 1 800 Flowers. I'm my gardener. Join with me the notorious Ben Florence and B Flow. Apparently, your boy Chris Christie, Governor of New Jersey, said he would rather drown in the Potomac than join the Senate. Your thoughts on that?
2: You know, and uh, it's great to be back as always, as uh, with every week. You know, it's interesting. You know, of course, he was uh, being a little, a little hyperbolic. Paul, what do you say that largely? This is a fact. Governors hate to be in the Senate, and they often end up being very frustrated when they are in the Senate. Because when you're governor, you're running the show, you're running the state. When you're the Senate, you're a senator. You're one of fifty, and you have a lot more procedure and all that. But so a lot of governors they like to be in power, like to be in. That's why I'm not surprised that a man like Chris Christie, uh, you know, governor of my state, uh, would uh, say uh, such things. Of course, he was, of course, be a little over the top. But, you know, that's all right.
1: Okay. So, once again, it's Radio, <laughs> blogtalkradio.com's exclusive sports music program. We have a great show for you on hand. Flo and I will dissect the World Series of 1-1, very exciting series, as it goes to the bay this weekend, we will also talk some some soccer news, some uh, some potential hockey news as well if it comes across the wire, and we'll even give a shout out and talk some college basketball featuring American University head coach Mike Brennan, the uh, the Madman at Bender is at it again. Yes. But first,
0: let's talk some B balls. It yes. is time
1: for the 2014-15 NBA season. Preseason games are going on, but the season tips off next week, October 28th, and already we are spoiled with a season full of storylines, but the immediate one is this this new big three. No, it is not Miami. No, it is not Boston. It is the Cleveland Cavaliers. As Kyrie Irving, over the summer, was just happy to return uh, with his Cavaliers team, then he gets the word that if, uh, European EuroLeague coach and former and uh, Russian national team coach Dave Blatt will be taking over. So a guy who knows how to run a good offense, a high-scoring offense, as we've seen him with uh, Maccabi Tel Aviv and Seska Moscow, joins the coaching oh. staff. And then lo and behold, as Flo and I tracked it down over the summer, LeBron James and Kevin Love joined the Cleveland Cavaliers. And here's LeBron back in media day. When he was first annou- re-announced as a member of the Cavaliers,
3: it feels good. It feels right, and I'm happy to be back. What each experience in life is the greatest teacher, and uh, you know uh, I've been able to learn from my mistakes, grow from them. Um, throughout the four years, I, you know, turned my girlfriend to my fiance to my wife. Um, you know, we got two boys, two grown boys, and and the friends and family around my family, we've all continued to grow, and uh, you know that's. That's just what life is about. You have obstacles throughout your life, and uh, it's how you come, you know, come out of them that defines who you are.
1: That was LeBron James on media day uh, back in September, but Flo, it seems like LeBron James is a much more mature and professionalized LeBron as he makes his return back to Cleveland.
2: Absolutely, and as you've noticed, they haven't had the whole big poppin' circumstance where they're going to win the one, not one, not two. We all remember that, and and that's part of the reason that, you know, everybody looked at the Miami thing that it was so over the top, and they were were so hyperbolic themselves that they were going to win the seven rings. And then when they didn't even get the first one that first year, I mean, they were close. They have 2-1 on your Dallas Mavericks. They couldn't get it done. And so... but, you know, that's – so I think LeBron learned from that. And I think what's also different now is that Zach Lowe made this point last night in the uh, the Greatland Basketball Hour. LeBron's now the big three. He's with two other guys that have never played in the playoffs, ever, neither uh, Irving or Kevin Love. They also don't play defense. When he joined Miami, Dwayne Wade was still – one of the top, like, five players in the NBA, and he had led a team to the title. Chris Bosch had gone to the playoffs in Toronto. So, but when you look at this team, uh, so, yeah, so definitely LeBron has matured, and when he said from the get-go, you know, we're not we're trying to win the championship. Obviously, when you put a three together like this, you're trying to win a championship. But I do appreciate LeBron taking a step back and not going, you know, we're going to win all these championships, we're going to win it every year. Because as knows, you know, you know the teams are built on paper. We remember, you know, a lot of so many people were excited for that Lakers club with Nash, Kobe, Dwight Howard, and they barely made the playoffs. So not every super team ends up winning a title.
1: Even the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder had have had great rosters in the past, and they've only made one final. So yeah. the Cleveland Cavaliers. Many are saying, of course, by many, ESPN Magazine, it's funny, the tale of the two publications, ESPN Magazine, all their insiders had the Cavaliers making the Eastern Conference Finals. But not so fast as this week's episode, edition of Sports Illustrated has the Chicago Bulls being number one in the East with the re- exciting anticipated return of Derrick Rose, and now they get some big men up front as Joe Kim Noah is joined by Paul Gasol, who has a couple of miles on him, but with... Rose getting his confidence back in the World Championships this, this summer and Tom Thibodeau being basically right by his side through all of the, uh, the rehab. And now the second return, a third return of Derrick Rose. The Chicago mm-hmm. Bulls, the best team in the East?
2: You know, the thing with the Bulls in the East and that if Derrick Rose plays like he did when he was last healthy two years ago, if he plays like that, Derrick Rose, I think they have a great chance to be the number one seed, get to the your conference finals. But Rose has got to hold up. And let's not admit, he hasn't played a full month in basketball in, two years, in only over two and a half years. Ever since he blew that knee, he didn't make a you know, didn't make it the first month last year. So that's a long time frame to where he's been consistently healthy. This, is, of course, is this is a very strong Chicago club. But it's going to be powered, and, you know, they're only boasted by a goal just off. But they're going to be, go as far as Rose could take it. If Rose is healthy and playing like the player he can be, and he has been, when he won the MVP, this is a team that's going to give Cleveland a whole lot of trouble, vice but also, I think, vice versa, going forward. If Rose is healthy, this could definitely be an Eastern Conference or an Eastern Conference championship team.
1: Because the only the only downside with the Cavaliers is obviously what happened at center. He loves playing power for mm-hmm. it. It's a back-and-forth between Tristan Thompson and Anderson Vergeau, which Coach A. Blatt said Verja will start on opening night. And then the other is the, is the, uh, the second guard. Irving is very good. He's the best, best player uh, at the World Cup, MVP of the tournament. did fantastic for, for Coach K. But Irving, his shooting guard is Dion Waiters who only has a few years under his belt and he is going to be the Mario Chalmers of this Cavaliers team. The guy that will you know, make the mistakes in crunch time and then LeBron will immediately go after him. He'll be the scapegoat so he'll always be playing timid and under pressure. The Chicago Bulls there's not really a guy like that per se and one, it's coaching because Tom Thibodeau has been with the team for so long. He's He's established that defense is first and as as you mentioned, Flo, the Cavaliers probably will not play defense.
3: So this mm-hmm. is a Bulls
1: team that will grind it out. Post defense is a plus. This Chicago Bulls team in a seven game series with the Cavaliers will win the interior. Because Love is well Love is definitely one of the best one of the top ten best players in the league.
4: His Absolutely. ability to
1: shoot from the ability to shoot from the perimeter and his consistent go get it attitude to get, you know, twenty and twenty. When he was averaging you know, when he was averaging that for a few weeks Couple of years ago, before he had, but but Love and Gasol to pair them both together are both injury prone. Love is yeah, last year was his first full season back from his knee injury, and Pau Gasol has always had trouble with his back and his, and weak ankles. But for the uh, for the Dion Waiters comparison, the Bulls have Jimmy Butler and Mike Dunleavy. Now you got to put that means you're putting Dunleavy against LeBron, or even Jimmy Butler against LeBron, and that's very tough because with the mature LeBron yeah. is is he's like a fine wine. He's he's aging with he's aging with beauty and grace <laughs> and, and more talcum powder. But these two teams they seem almost identical. The only difference is what is Dave Black gonna do with this Cavaliers team. As first year coach, we could either see, you know, beginner's luck or what we saw when the big three first came with Spolstra. Big wins, but in crunch time the coach was always the other scapegoat. What we saw in Miami. So those are the two teams, and of course, I think the Cavaliers are better because of the acquisition of Sean Marion from my Dallas Mavericks. He's a guy, even as old as he is, brings very strong tenacity off the bench for defense. And as we know in the NBA, and as we saw from the defending champion San Antonio Spurs, defense is everything. But those two teams dominating the East, the next perennial power that the Eastern Conference, a team that could challenge both these teams to give them a run for their money, they had big money spending in the off season, and it's just a miracle to see how it will work. The Washington Wizards return mm-hmm. pretty much everyone from that from that team that that ran the table and got to the Eastern Conference Semis, a team that almost made it against Miami in the Eastern Conference Finals. The only downside is they're out with, they're without Bradley Beal the six to eight weeks. But is the acquisition of Paul Pierce flow? What the Wizards needed, or was it sort of, or was it a waste of money letting Trevor Ariza go?
2: You know, I think that uh, the the Trevor Ariza thing, I think it was a good move because he had always been a solid player, and but he played really great last, really well last year. But he was also in a contract year, and Houston gave him a lot of money after they lost after they had to go through the whole Chandler Parsons ordeal. So I think that bringing in a guy like a Paul Pierce, gives them the veteran presence, the guy that has one title that they needed, the concern now I have, because he's definitely a better player, even though he's definitely lost some step. He's a better player to start at the three, which was going to be the big hole ahead of Bartell uh, Webster. He's a solid player, but better as a bench guy. It's going to be interesting to see how this team responds now that Brad Beal, you know, the... the very talented, very young shooting guard could be out for about a month or so with uh, with his wrist issue. So that's going to be interesting how they play through that and how he's going to play because a lot of people thought he could be a guy that could make it to, that could take a, a, a big step forward along with John Wall and you know a solid frontcourt. But you know Washington, very sound club. Especially when Bradley Beal comes back, and you know, but every time I talk about this Wizards team, and I know you know what's coming, their current coach is Randy Whitman. I mean, Randy Whitman doesn't know how to coach, and he didn't do a very good job in the Eastern Conference playoffs at all. And yeah, they did give him somewhat of an extension. But it's going to be interesting to see how Randy Whitman goes up against, you know, some of the better coaches in the East. Even a guy like a Spolstra, who doesn't have as strong of a team, but he's certainly a better coach. But this Washington team, could uh, surprise a lot of people. Maybe the uh, knockout Paul to get to the Intercontinental Finals. Who knows?
1: Well, the last time they had fifty wins was thirty-five years ago, and I the winners they could run the tables and get fifty wins. They're a very good team. They return. They return in the interior. The name Marcin Gortat. Then I got the Juan Blair off the bench from my Dallas Mavericks. He was very aggressive on the boards. Brings a lot of energy. The only thing is who will replace Bradley Beal while he's out with, with I believe it's his um, a hand or elbow, a wrist or elbow injury. But, but John Wall is is slowly getting into the prime of his game. And Paul Pierce brings something that the Wizards haven't had in a long time. is tenacity. This is a Wizards team that relied a lot on youth. And flying by the seat of their pants as they upset the Bulls in the playoffs and just continued that, that run. But Paul Pierce, you know, the preseason game, getting fines of of pushing, Joe Noah, and getting a brawl in a preseason game—that's the truth. You know, he, he's a guy with with experience. That's the that could, that could be the downfall of the Wizards, is Paul Pierce is very old, and, and and is not a very good defender. Has a lot of miles on him, but, but keep keep an eye on the Wizards, especially with Randy Whitman. This could be a, something the Wizards team that consistently do. Der- Whitman starts off the season with a complete disaster and is fired before the All Star Break. Now the other the other toss up for the East. We have a lot of lot of great storylines the Raptors, with DeMar DeRozan, a team with a bunch of nobodies all of a sudden is getting big recognition. Your Brooklyn Nets, Lance Stevenson to the Charlotte Hornets, a Bobraunless Miami Heat, and yet they wasted no time picking up blue all dang, so they could be a a, def- a definite contender. Who is your surprise team in the East that we should watch out for? Would it be the New York Knicks with Derek Fisher coaching them?
2: <laughs> no, it would not be the Knicks. Uh you know, looking at surprise teams in the Eastern Conference, a team that I don't think is uh, uh I think it well I don't know if they're really surprised. I think that's Toronto Club. Very solid all-around team. They're starting five, Lowry, DeRozan, uh, Terrence Ross, Amir Johnson, and a guy who I think is really could very well have that breakout year, center jo- Jonas Amon mm. Uh, or whatever Charles Barkley pronounced him as. But um, this is a very well-rounded club to play like good defense. They can score. DeMar DeRozan took step forward and beat that lead score. Kyle Lowry was great last year. So this it's a very balanced Toronto club that where I could think they could maybe be an Eastern Conference uh, final sleeper. Another team in the Eastern Conference I think that could surprise, and it, it's going to be interesting to see how this team goes. Is the Charlotte Bobcats, who surprised a lot of folks getting to the uh, you know seventh seed last year, they cause they played tremendous defense, with largely the same unit. Now they add the mercurial but very talented Lance Stevenson who gives him a good creator. Uh, it's gonna be a, that's gonna be a fun uh, backcourt, him and Kemba Walker, and you know Al Jeffers is back down low, and, which, and there's a lot of hope around Michael Kid gilchrist another New Jersey guy, but his jump shot has been an absolute abomination to basketball. A lot of it looks like he's completely reconstructed his shot. And he actually, I've seen some video of it. His jumper actually looks like an actual jumper. So Charlotte, I think, is a team. I don't know if they can make the Eastern Conference Finals, but considering where that franchise has been, you know, did I did I refer to them as the Bobcats because they're the Hornets now and so on? For some reason, oh, they're still so struggling. Yeah, they are the Charlotte Hornets. And so, <laughs> uh, if I said Bobcats, then I'm just a I'm just a mongo. But uh, yeah, it's,
1: th- it's it's flashback Friday.
2: Absolutely,
1: absolutely. Who is your team in the East that uh, is going to fall? Is a Paul George-less Indiana Pacers really enough of an impact to predict them either an eight seed or out of the playoffs?
2: I think this uh, Orlando, this uh, pardon me, Indiana club is definitely going to be out of the playoffs. The pro. I mean, the, for them, I think the high is the A team. They Not only did they lose Paul George, their best creator, offensively. They all, don't forget they also lost Lance Stevens, Do yeah, he probably wanted out. He was their second-best offensive creator. You're looking at a team now. You look at a starting lineup, and it, it, they're going to have to focus around Roy Hibbert because if you look at that lineup, their leading scorer may be Rodney Stuckey. I mean, just think about that. And Roy Ebert was atrocious after the all-star break and was very inconsistent in the playoffs. So, And I like Fred Vogel, and the team's hope is that I think David West is a good player unless they move him, which could happen. This is a team that's going to probably not be able to score more than 85, so they're going to have to play really physical, really strong defense. And they do have the ability to do that. But they're not going to be scoring anybody, so I really think that they should be happy with an eighth seed uh Eighth seed peak, if you will.
0: Hmm.
1: What about your Brooklyn Nets? The only big change is no Paul Pierce. Is that enough to keep them sort of at the at the gutter of the playoff spot?
2: You know, uh, and they also will would, would be huge to them is that one of their good creators was uh, Sean Livingston, who also left as well. Brooklyn, I've been, and I'm in a very happy after the whole Jason Kinsey after the uh the Nets brought in a very good coach, Alina Holland, who preached defense. And apparently he's excited to work with Brooke Lopez. That'll be an interesting if he can mold Brooke Lopez into more of a physical uh defensive big man. But you know, there are some pieces there, Mason Plumlee plumley, uh showed some problems last year as another big, but you know, it's gonna come down to Darren Darren Williams and his ankles. And he's had surgery, and there's high hopes for him, as well as whether KG can actually still play and whether he has any quickness left to play the four spot, which is what it looks like they're going to do. I think they can be the bottom playoff team. Peak is probably like the seventh lead. Not, not a great team, but I think in the bottom of the Eastern Conference, really isn't it very good. I do expect them to be in the high. Yeah, I think the
1: next I think the Nets are the my surprise team in the East. Yeah, I think because the the Raptors remind me a lot of the Wizards of last year. A young team that had a lot of players big key, star players but not, you know, all-star players. DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry, it's a very interesting backcourt. And Valančiūnas was, so was one of the big contributors why Lithuania got to the final four in the World Cup. Their their lack of experience though, I think was one of the reasons why they didn't make it that far in the playoffs. Miami Heat—they're very old team, but Luol Deng could make it interesting. In terms, but in terms of an 82-game season, that team still doesn't have, you know, a reliable bench. I think the Nets are better than the Charlotte Hornets, just because. Let's be honest—it's it's the Hornets. I mean, I could not see this team going seven games with anyone, and just it, it, this, this seems like a team that's ready to just explode because Stevenson could be the guy that you know wants to take over. And a young mm-hmm. team that's ready to embrace, and all of a sudden you come, this clown comes in and just just explodes all the chemistry and makes MJ just scratch his head. So that's our, <laughs> that's our East Conference breakdown as we will uh, poke fun at the other teams like the Bucks and the Magic and the awful 76ers. But as we switch to the West Conference, a a conference that is consistently year in and year out fantastic in terms of talent, in terms of depth. Out of the, the you know the big 4 teams to watch, the Thunder, the Clippers, you know the Spurs and the Warriors, not a single lineup change was was made. And and that that in itself is amazing how a lot of these teams have stayed the course, have kept their bread and butter. But the big talk especially after last year's fiasco with with Donald Sterling, is a uh, a renaissance in L.A. for the Los Angeles Clippers. This was a team that won 57 games last year, mm-hmm. but did not get as far as this team thought they could. Now you bring in Microsoft money. Steve Ballmer takes over as, yes. as the head haunch, and immediately for me today brings so much energy. And here's what him and head coach Doc Rivers had to say on NBA TV interview.
3: I get energy from talking to, to people who are excited about something. The fans were excited. I've I talked to big groups of Microsoft salespeople, also excited. This is but it was kind of a maiden voyage for me. I've never done anything in sports. And, you know, I fed off the energy, doc, you know, got me fired up, actually. The crowd got me fired up. And it's just exciting. It's an exciting opportunity. We do have such a great team, so much opportunity. It's kind of easy to get carried away. Well, it's great for them. Um, you know, it, it's funny. Like, you, you're in the middle of the summer, and you, you invite people out, and, you know, with 5,000 people <laughs> show up, and, and that's just <laughs> shocking to me. I was so excited about that myself. Uh, but it was great for our players to see the enthusiasm, uh, That this, this group of Clipper fans uh, that are so thirsty, you know, and you can feel that, and you can feel the energy. You know, so it's just really a great, like, like he's, this is exciting, it's an opportunity. You know, we're not on stage saying what we are going to do, we, we are saying what we want to do, and it's a great opportunity. It's a great opportunity. I won't say change, but I'll underscore, i uh, just underscore kind of the aspiration of excellence. I talk about being hardcore, but it's about an aspiration, working to be the best you can be.
1: That was uh, the CEO and the Coach, Flo, the saying usually says things are better a second time around. And Doc Rivers in his second year as coach has really erased the whole lob city and is really, and with with the help of an enthusiastic owner, has really inspired this team to be more than just entertainment but a championship caliber team. Are the Clippers for real?
2: I think they definitely are for real. I think you look at this team now they they're 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 playing again. They're fully used to now. Doc Rivers, Steve Ballmer, who was on, on the on, he is on a rapid pace of becoming one of my my friends, my favorite owners of sports. Because if you saw him at his intro, and even when yep. he was on CBS this morning this week, the guy is is, is 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 fantastic. How full of energy he is. He's like, well, it was great on CBS before, because it was like eight o'clock in the morning. and He's a West Coast guy. And he's up there, and he's, like, screaming about the Clippers. And it's just so fantastic because here's a guy. He threw a lot of money at the team, but he's very passionate about basketball. The guy loves basketball. And he has already made strong moves already in that he is giving Doc Rivers basically control of the organization. Doc Rivers, is very good coach, maybe a little overrated over the years, but he's still a very good coach. And players love him and want to play for him. And more importantly, he knows basketball. So I think Ballmer, you know, he's going to pump plenty of money in because he's worth billions and billions of dollars. But, you know, he's very passionate about the team. He's going to bring a significant amount of energy. I really hope that, you know, the local broadcaster, just having a camera on him all the game, when he's just going nuts. Because I think that would just be fantastic video. But you know, I think this Clippers team—they've built up their bench, brought in guys like Spencer Hawes and the like, to where they and they uh, who will be a key guy off the bench because they lacked big guys. And Hawes could be a big guy; not a very defensive player, but he can give a guy that could shoot uh, from the perimeter for a big guy. The now is Blake Griffin can make three pointers. If he can make three pointers, then forget. But <laughs> but the you know the Clippers team, I think they're very well primed in the Western Conference, to possibly get past Spurs, to pass Oklahoma City, and get to the
1: finals. They could run the table. And, of course, they're, they're so, such a good team that their only liability is injuries. Blake Griffin, Jondre Jordan, can they, and Chris Paul, can they stay healthy through an entire season getting to the playoffs? Because that's actually what happened to my Dallas Mavericks in 2011. They had a team with a lot of talent and a lot of big contributors That stayed healthy. They just happened to be a team that was healthy the entire year. This team couldn't do that. And they also have a good bench. They brought in Spencer Hawes, who I was watching on TNT the other night. And he was a starter. I think he was a starter in Orlando. And then also with the Sixers. And so Mm -hmm. this guy is now on a good team and can come off the bench to help the two post players. The the question is, though, if this team does not, if this, especially this year, if this team does not win the title or at least get to the Western Conference Finals, is it time to press the panic button in L.A.?
2: You know, I don't think so yet. I mean, both Paul, both Griffin are still pretty young. I mean, Paul in particular,
0: I don't think, well, it depends on
2: how they go out. If they go out in the first round, then, then yes, yeah, there's some, I guess, some time to panic. But if they get to the Western Conference Finals, I think they'd be fine, uh, even if they don't win it. I think Balmer is, you know, you always you have owners that want to put their imprint on a franchise. And that's why you'll see owners, like, for example, Zach Dave in uh, Sacramento, I'm probably botching his name. He came in and he wanted to make big splash. And that's what new owners want to do. I don't know if that's going to apply here with Ballmer because I think you, you realize because he's given Doc Rivers basically the ability to, he's running the organization now. So I think that now he's put confidence in Rivers. And, of course, it's only Doc's second year. So mm-hmm. And I don't think time is necessarily running out for that because Oklahoma City, you know, they've got their issues now with Durant out for the first month. And then San Antonio, you know, we didn't say about this, but it, it, we've, and I feel like we've been saying this for about like 10 years now, but this team... It's not going to stick around forever. So even the Beatles had to break up at some point. So I think that you know I think that definitely they want to get to a title, but I don't think that it's a necessarily a failure if they don't make the finals this year.
0: Yeah,
1: I mean, the benefit of the doubt. The West Conference is stacked, and great that you mentioned the Oklahoma City Thunder. The Durantula will not be starting in the opener because of. The uh, because of his injuries, getting surgery, and out almost a month and a half. Is this bad for Oklahoma City know the last time he was last time he was injured though, or last time he missed games? Actually, it was the other way around. Russell Westbrook missed games and Durant went off, got the scoring champ scoring title, and was just a monster. Mm-hmm. Are we going to see a reverse effect with? The uh, the reigning MVP and not in action for a long time because a lot of people are saying that Scott Brooks is on the hot seat this year.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and you know I think what's going to be interesting. Yes, Durant went off, but a lot of times when it, when Westbrook had gone out, the Oklahoma City offense largely struggled because they've lacked another that like a really a third scoring option. I mean, they kind of have that in Ibaka. But he's not necessarily a scorer, even though he's a very good offensive player and all a very good all round player. But I think that as you saw with got. It. what's gonna be I think real uh you know, Russell Westbrook is one of those guys that, you know, built something called rational confidence. And he's got a ton of confidence in the building. And he's an, uh, a an a trem absolutely tremendous player, extremely talented, one of the more competitive and harder working guys in the league. But what's gonna be interesting is that now, at least for Durant, when Durant's out the, the show's going to be running through him, and I think that is potentially to be very, very fun to watch because so much about Russell Westbrook is that, you know, it's it, he's gotten a criticism for trying to t- put too much on his own plate when he has only the second-best player in the league in Kevin Durant. But I think that now it's basically going to be Westbrook's team going, at least until Durant comes back. I think that's going to be interesting to watch. You know, Scott Brooks... Deserves all the criticism he gets. He's a very mediocre coach. He, he doesn't do a great job. He doesn't run a very imaginative offense, even when he's had two and three of the better offensive players in the league. So I think Brooks is, is going to be on the hot seat. The team does struggle. I think he will get a reprieve initially because Durant's out. After, if they have a disappointing exit in the Western Conference playoffs, I think that he could be in the option. And I think the first guy they're going to call. A guy that played with the Thunder, everybody loves him, and he just won a, champ- a championship at UConn, and that's Kevin Alley. Of course, that's down the line. But Scott Brooks is very much in trouble, and I and I think honestly, reasonably, fair.
1: so they have no bench. You know, they they're, they have Andre Robinson and Reggie Jackson as sort of their last hope. And they got rid of Cephaloj, they got rid of Derek Fisher because he's now coaching the New York Knicks. So this yep. team, they they've, they've always just had no bench, and. Especially in the playoffs, because this is a team that will get to the playoffs definitely. It's a matter, a matter of how far they will go. And especially when Durant, when he comes back, will he be injury prone again? It's very sad. Cause this team is very good. It's just they're a team that tries to use, you know, knit and grit in a, mm-hmm. in a West Conference that, you know, teams average like 100 points on the regular. Moving further down the uh, the Western Conference champ, we get to the defending champs. And, as always, it's very hard to repeat as a champion in any sport, especially with a Spurs team that got pretty banged up in Europe, lost to but Berlin, and was still on on the championship high, but immediately, as as Greg Popovich says, it's as business as usual.
3: Um, I worry more about uh, the younger players on the team. I'm not worried a bit about Tony and Manu and Timmy. Uh, They know how hard it is to get there. And I, and I think it sounds odd, but it's ironic that the more times you're there, the, the more you appreciate how hard it is. Uh, but uh, they're not going to try to take a victory lap or anything like that this year. They'll, they'll come ready. Uh, it's the other guys, the young kids, that uh, I worry about thinking that it, it might be too easy uh, or just expect it that it's going to come uh, and not realize that you have to go back to the beginning and not skip steps and start all over again. Uh, so that will be my emphasis. So
1: that's what happens when you get a ex-Army cadet coaching your team. Greg Popovich ha- will have his team ready to rock and roll. Now, the question is, though, Popovich's formula of resting his starters and giving confidence mm-hmm. to his young players, obviously we saw the outbreak of Kawhi Leonard, but is yep. Father Time going to catch up to the Spurs team this year?
2: You know, I'm not certain about that. You know what's interesting is that these Spurs teams They've never had a repeat. That age shows how tough it is to repeat. So I think what's going to be interesting with the Spurs team is that they had really, they had, they had a big chip on their shoulder last year. They had the championship the year before. They fell apart against them, against Miami in game six, lost game seven. That championship, they were going to win, and then they fell apart. Then they had the massive chip on their shoulder all season long. They are going to get back, and they are going to beat the Heat. And they did, and they ran the heat, and then they destroyed the Big Three and legalized basketball, in Miami, because now that obviously not the same. It's it's going to be interesting to see how they come out. I don't think I think the top contention in the West is not going to be the Thunder. I think now you're finally going to see the Clippers make that take that step. I think the Clippers this year are going to be the biggest threat to the Spurs in the West. That said, that team doesn't have a lot of experience getting it done in the playoffs. So what Doc does and some of their younger uh, some of their bench guys, uh, guys, they do have some experience in the playoffs. But I still think he, this uh, San Antonio is definitely the team to beat in the West. And I think quite frankly, with it's gonna be tougher to play as well as he did. But, you know, you Jim Duncan, he's still Fantastic and fantastic. She could play great. Tony Parker still playing great. Ginobili. So and then you and then you the younger guy the the uh letter is gonna take the I think it could very well take the lead. But you got other guys, you know, Danny Green, Splitter, the you know, and the uh, the immaculate Boris Diaw, mm. who uh whom uh, Bill Walton once famously uh compared to uh like the works of Beethoven and uh one time many years ago when he was in Phoenix. But this is the San Antonio team. I really think they're trying to repeat. Yeah, I really do.
1: They could. And that's the thing. We we have doubt we doubt this team time and time again.
2: Absolutely.
0: And they've
1: always proven to be great. They've always proven to be, be not just great, but be consistently great. And Tim Duncan, thirty eight years old, you know, finds some way to be the best power forward in the game. And they return everyone. So they keep a winning formula. Which in the it's as weird as it is in the playoffs, consistency and experience always comes to play, because they're a team that gets hot in the postseason. They outshoot the lights out of everyone. They demolish the thunder from behind the arc. I mean, you know, check check later check later in the show, fans, to see if this if we pick the Spurs to actually run the tables and win. But another team that's surprised in the in the West a lot of great teams a lot of teams like for that you know for that fourth best team it's it's such a crapshoot you've got
2: mm-hmm. Steve
1: Kerr taking over the Warriors who have returned everyone you have the the Portland Trail Blazers Terry Stotts has gotten this team with a winning formula as LaMarcus Aldridge is healthy the Dallas Mavericks have reloaded bringing Tyson Chandler back and getting Chandler Parsons who's who is your su- sort of surprise team in the west that could actually contend with these top three teams,
2: you know I think the, that Golden State Club. You know it's going to be interesting to see how Golden State responds to Steve Kerr because I think I've you know I've always really been a high on Steve Kerr. He did a sol- I think he did a solid maybe even well under a little of job uh, running the show in Phoenix a few years. Though the Shaq trade wasn't great, but you know I I always thought he's very bright basketball guy, and I think he's a good fit for this team, you know, they've got, you know, he was known for being a three-point specialist. They've got two of the top uh, three-point guys in the game. they got a very good, you know, a very good glue guy. You know, he can play a bunch of good positions, good defender, and he's a dollar. You, got, you know, Harrison Barnes has never really been high on. I think he's overrated. But I think he plays well as a small ball for a stretch forward. Uh You know, David Lee's is a solid player. And if Bogut tells me, he gives them the physicality and the paint that Lee doesn't give him, and is a very tough defensive player. So I think this Golden State team, you know, I was probably too high last year. I think I had them as a fourth year. And I had them in the West in the uh, NBA finals. That really didn't look all that great. But I think this Warriors club, you know, of those teams, I think could very well be that team that could surprise, make it to the Western Conference Finals. Really, they, upset the,
1: they upset the Spurs a couple of years ago. And Steve Curry, it seems like he's the, the coach that will have the most fun coaching this team. Because he's got one of the best backcourts in the NBA, Iguodala is a solid defender, and then Sean Livingston is now on the team, and so he's a guy that can bring minutes off the bench. I think a surprise team. I'm not gonna say they're gonna win the West, but a surprise team that I don't I don't think a lot of people are giving credit is the Houston Rockets. Now Kevin McHale is also said to be on the hot seat because you know how will he how does he handle Dwight Howard. And and you know the whole thing of Elijah Olajuwon wants Kim the Dream wants to make Dwight Howard the best post in the league, which you know next to Tim Duncan, Dwight Howard is one of the best post players in in the Western Conference in terms of you know just raw talent and skill.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now they get Trevor Reza, who when I, I saw this team play the Mavericks in a preseason game, and Trevor Ariza, you know, got off, like twelve points in the first like two and a half minutes. So he he brings so much. Their only problem is is the bench. Uh The fact of of James Harden saying you know he's the best player in the league, best player, (laughs) the greatest player in the world or whatever. This this team is so full of egos that they are. I think if McHale gets it right, they could easily be a four or five seed. A lot Mm -hmm. of you know media outlets have them at seven or eight. I'm thinking the Houston Rockets are a much better team than this. But they're obviously seeing something that we don't see, and that's obviously the egos. James Harden can get can get, his, can get his shot and create his shot any way he wants. And one thing that he emphasized playing with the USA team this summer, and you know we we constantly uh, beat a dead horse here on Fanatic Radio. But a lot of the, yep. you'll see a lot of these guys from that team play much better this year from what they've learned playing against teams in the world. James Harden. Most likely, be a more effective passer because I think he knows he can score 20 on the regular, but now he wants to increase his assists. Kyrie Irving wants to sort of take his staple as a as a prolific scorer, taking the heat off LeBron James. The the, the tandem guards in Golden State continue to sharpen their skills. Even when we go back to the East Coast, Mason Plumley got a lot of playing time. Bo- Boogie Cousins, you know, yep. got some minutes. So it's it's those guys that I'm gonna be excited to watch out for. James Harden was, was the captain of this USA team and never really thrust it upon himself to be the leading scorer. You know, Kyrie Irving did most of the dirty work and Anthony Davis and you know, he's someone in the West Conference that we, we could see have a breakout year. I think Houston is is prime because I don't think Portland is gonna have the season they had. You know, Damian Lillard is very good and Nicholas Batum went off in the World Cup. And he sees someone that can create his shot. But injury the injury bug will bite, I think, the the Blazers again. As out of any team that it's prone to do, I would not be surprised. Golden State and Portland are always the two teams that always have injuries. And to talk about my Dallas Mavericks, before we, before we get to our predictions and send it to commercial break, I just want to say, I'm very excited to see what Dirk Nowitzki has in store. Because he is sort of like Tim Duncan, wondering, when is he going to retire? But people don't want him to retire, and you know, he sat out the entire preseason because he has so much confidence, and he's one of those guys that will always continue to perfect his game. You know, now he's, he's rumors he's trying to develop the sky hook, which would be amazing if this guy could pull that off. And then the only flaw the Mavericks have is who's that point guard? You know, because right, you have know, got Jameer Nelson and Raymond Felton, and then Devin Harris. So if and if Rick Carlisle can get one of those to work. This is a team that's just going to shoot a bunch of 3, much like the 2011 team, a team that's just going to jack up a bunch of threes and then try to rely on Chandler to get Tyson Chandler to get rebounds. So the the West is 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 so wide open. And for for my team of of the Western Conference that's on the the downside, uh it's got to be the laughable Lakers. Before Kobe Bryant is a guy that apparently has been a cancer to the Lakers society since he joined. As an interesting stat from ESPN the magazine, ever since Kobe Bryant joined the Lakers, I think back in 98, Shaquille O'Neal has been the only player to play the longest with Kobe Bryant. And after Shaquille O'Neal went to the Miami Heat, there has not been a single player that has played a total of more than 150 games with him. It seems like this is a laughable curse of, of, of the Black Mamba, and for Kobe Bryant, is he going to be so caught up with with just avenging last season that he's going to just play out of his mind like a complete, as as you know, as the Zon would say, just a complete fool, or is he actually going to be a team player? Because now Steve Nash has announced he's out for the season.
0: This, this yeah. just
1: seems like all hell is going to break loose in LA. And we love it.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: You know, you look at this Lakers team, this team especially now with hurt. this is going to be a fiasco of a defensive club. You know, you know, Lynn, I mean, I like Lynn. Lynn gets a lot of hate, but I think Lynn's a style player. You got guys like, you know, Swaggy P. Nick Young and, and Boozer and, you know, Joe That's That's not a great defensive career. And you look at his clothes, particularly now, with you know this team is just going to be awful. And the problem with Kobe Bryant is, here is that Kobe Bryant may just be the most competitive player in the league, and he's also insane. We all know that. The problem is, is that now, what is he going to try to do? Because he's definitely going to try to game for a playoff but He's, geez, he's feeling that you know nobody's giving him a chance. There's a the problem. The team is just sucks for so that play for this year. So I mean, I was going to be interested to see what he does. Will this be a year like uh, those when he endured those atrocious Lakers years when they had you know all those all those clowns like Smush Parker, his boy Smush Parker, and Kwame Brown, and all those guys? And that was also the team where he went for he went for eighty one against Toronto, but he only, and he only had something laughable like two assists. So it's going to be – and he's coming back from injury himself. He hasn't played for a full year and a couple full months and a couple of years himself, a lot of Derek Rose. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with the Lakers team. It, but I think the team's going to be awful. And not only are they now the defensive players, Byron Scott has coached an atrocious defensive team the last few years where he's been. So it, it's going to be it's going to be a complete mess in L.A. for the Lakers, Lakers.
1: Yep, we'll keep you updated on the uh, on the on the uh, the laughable Lakers as the season goes on here on Fanatic Radio. Just watching Kobe Bryant. I hope Kobe Bryant goes off for another 81-point game
2: because he, he can definitely <laughs> he awesome. can
1: definitely do it against like Utah or even the Knicks if Kobe plays in the Garden. Where he's just he's, this guy's gonna be so full of rage he's gonna hurt himself again. With that being said, before we start before we sign off for commercial break, uh, other teams to keep an eye on that we did not mention. and I feel terrible not mentioning them. Phoenix Suns and the Denver Nuggets. Now in terms of coaching. Uh, Jeff Hornacek has gotten this, got the Suns team to the ninth spot. They could definitely be a team that breaks through with Eric Bledsoe doing well, Goran Dragic. The only question is that their interior game is, is just whack. And then uh, Danilo Gallinari missed most of last year's Nuggets season. When he comes back, he comes back to a team that you know did not make any changes and has a more improved manimal in Kenneth Fareed. So those are some of the dark horses to watch out for making the playoffs. But when we come back, we'll talk to Mike Brennan, AU men's basketball and World Series and some corn dog action here on Fanatic Radio once again, you listen to FR on Block Radio.com.
0: It's Fanatic Radio. Even with the way they're playing, we could go undefeated. It's the reason you wake up on game day and put on your team's colors Fanatic Radio on. Block Talk Radio.
1: You too. beautiful day on Fanatic Radio, America's premier sports music program presented by 1-800-Flowers. You can go to 1-800-Flowers.com or click on the special link on bflow360.com to get 40% off as this is the final week for Breast Cancer Awareness Month, Pink Flowers, for that special someone or that special occasion for your life, courtesy of 100 Flowers, and Fanatic Radio. My gardener, Ben Florence, breaking down the NBA pre- uh, preview. Season tips off October 28th. A lot of great storylines. The uh, new and improved Cleveland Cavaliers featuring one of the most dynamic players in the world, one of the best players in the world, and according to FIBA World Cup, the best player in the world. And for the West Coast, we have... Not he's not Mark Cuban, but he's Mark Cuban-esque. Uh, Steve Ballmer takes over the Clippers and immediately brings so much excitement to a team that pretty much already had excitement. But those are the big storylines to look out for in the NBA. Check us out the podcast on iTunes, Beeflow360 dot com, and our Facebook page. Where we're constantly posting the episodes. Time for our today in sports history as Eileen. Instead of bringing us a audio soundbite she wants us to plug the blog her blog today in sports history 365.wordpress.com is bringing you on october 23rd 1993 toronto blue jay joe carter became the second player in major league baseball to help his team win a world series with a get this walk off home run an 8-6 victory over the phillies so how about that Go to and we will post a link on our Facebook page so you can check out that walk off home run. I of course this could be easily a series that it does that flow the World Series goes one one to the Bay, yep. and we saw the Giants take control in Game one, but the resilient Royals struck back in Game two, and of course I said the Royals will win it five or six. Is this the time when the Royals just go off and? Totally take advantage
2: of San Fran on their home field. Uh, you know it's going to be uh, very interesting to watch because you know San Francisco had such a dominant win in Game One. Kansas City, however, bounced right back. So, but you look at this. Uh, who uh, you look at these uh, matchups? It's going to be key for Kansas City to win tonight. If they don't win tonight, it's going to be two-one going into Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Then it'll be uh, Justin just Justin Vargas Justin Vargas. James Vargas Because Ryan Vogel's song on Saturday. That's tonight. Jeremy Guthrie, Tim Hudson, Sunday. James Shields really struggled this postseason. I haven't looked that strong at all. This Madison Bumgarner's been fantastic, I really think they got to win tonight. If they don't win tonight, I think Kansas City can be in some trouble. And I don't think that I think that they very well may not get the series back. To Kansas City, although I think they will, I think they'll lose tonight, win tomorrow, lose Sunday, and then lose uh, Tuesday. Uh, Giants win six. So, but it's going to be key, I think, tonight because they do have some momentum. If you believe in momentum from the win game two, but they really got to build on it tonight.
1: That was a big win, of course. That game is uh, tonight, 8 p.m. on Fo- Eastern on Fox. And then also Saturday, 8 p.m. as well, on FOX. Uh, but with the Royals though, that game too, it, it's it, a definite. It was a definite staple of what they've done all postseason. I was actually very sad that they lost Game One because I, I thought this team could just just sweep and beat everyone they could in the postseason.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But but Salvador Perez and. Um, Guy, and the guy's name is escaping me. Anyway, though, uh, this this is the series where the guys that were, um their all-star selections are really oh, yeah. starting to take shape, but for the Giants, uh-huh. if we've seen Buster Posey do well, we've seen Hunter Pence do well, so it's the, now we're starting to see the Giants role players and stars Play better than the Royals Of course, the Royals have been absolutely fun to watch and it should be a great weekend of baseball of course mm-hmm. it also to be a great weekend for some college football as last week we were lied to by the college football gods with good games the only good game really was Oklahoma Kansas State and Notre Dame Florida State which Tyler Tamea ripped all his hair out after the pass interference call possibly costing <laughs> the Gold Domers a chance at the college football playoff as now we roll into the next week and game day is this weekend at LSU. Take on the Ole Miss Rebels, who managed to survive. This team, this Ole Miss team, as much as we've ragged on them thinking that they're going to be the first of the undefeated to lose, have one of the best defenses in the country. And th- this was an Ole Miss team. This was very similar to the Ole Miss team when Eli Manning was playing. They were a team that was a defense that was just tenacious, Blitzed constantly. They have great a de- defensive front, but of course, Les Miles the other day basically said, "I will, en- I will enjoy preparing for this game. Get the team excited. It's on." T- you know. He even encouraged his fans to say, "You know, bring food because we want you to stay late." And even took a mm-hmm. jab at your girl Katy Perry, saying, "If you're at Tiger Stadium on Saturday, please capture the air." And send us a smell sample. We need to settle the corn dog issue immediately. <laughs> Flo, is this the game? Ole Miss loses, and LSU basically has nothing to lose.
2: You know, uh, I think it's going to be interesting because you know there's a big rivalry between the two. You know, the, but the, the thing is, this LSU team really doesn't look all that strong at all. The yeah, they did just drill Kentucky, but before you know, earlier in the year. They really haven't looked that great. And, but we do know it's always very tough for anybody. That's what made Mr. State doing so impressive. Their team would go in to Tiger Stadium on a Saturday night because that place is always going nuts and rocking. Very tough for team to go in to win. I think Ole Miss is going to win that game. But uh, LSU, I think could make it interesting. You know, it's going to make it interesting. You know, I want to give a shout-out to my boy uh, Marlon Kraft. Performing yes. tonight in the tavern with part of a lyrics to feed America tonight nine o'clock to eleven along with some other folks free entry along with non perishable food items I'm gonna have to figure find some non perishable food <laughs> items to bring but uh, yeah tonight want to get that promo in yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah shout shout out to Marlon good friend of the show. former uh, former player on the AU uh, men's club basketball team.
0: This weekend, for college
1: football fans, sorry we're not bringing you the great ranked-on-ranked matchups, but there are games that on paper looks like they could be blowouts, but they could be Lee Corso closer than the experts think. We have South Carolina at Auburn, SEC Network, 730. Ed is at Auburn, so I think South Carolina could lose, but who knows what the old ball coach has cooked up. USC at Utah, I think USC will win on the road. That is Fox Sports 1. And then West Virginia, Oklahoma State, ESPN 330. That's another exciting game. West Virginia dominated Baylor. But that's a game that could easily be in the 70s and 60s. And, yeah, pretty much it. No big games until next week, but that's the college football landscape. Speaking of college sports, though. Yeah. University of North Carolina released a report from... An investigation, basically taking shots, and the report detailed the lack of oversight that the Department of African and Afro-American Studies gave create so-called paper classes in which 3,100 students were exposed to the fact that they did not necessarily have the grades. Of course even to compete, and some student-athletes were even with this, and this was going on back in the 1990s, so a lot of big notables that played in those decades was, for especially on the basketball side, Vince Carter, Antoine Jameson, Rasheed Wallace, Rashad McCants, Raymond Felton. Flo, thoughts on the North Carolina. This all started with Rashad McCants sort of being the initial whistleblower, being like, oh, the School had no idea that the school had no idea that these classes were about letting it slide, letting tutors take my term papers. Is this a, I guess the uh, the 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 sort of spark that could start an ongoing investigation throughout most of the uh, state schools and big powerhouse D one schools, or is this just just a flash in the pan?
2: You know, I think this is a legitimate issue. You know, North Carolina's had some issues before, and this is you know entirely new, but we didn't know that this was this widespread and this rampant over a, such a long period of time. And North Carolina, you know, this isn't like, you know, just any state school. North Carolina Chapel Hill is a pretty it's a pretty fantastic school. I mean, it's not an Ivy League school, but it's a pretty darn good school. So, you know, and that's the thing that these big schools and, the, you know, the big conferences, you know, have to face, you know, you want to get the best talent and you can get the best talent, particularly in basketball, but can they meet the academic standards? So this uh you know, I think that this is more rampant, uh among other schools. Uh I I I, I obviously I can't back that up, but I it wouldn't surprise me at all if at some point I don't know if it's gonna be something that was so such a long this is like eighteen years. I mean, right. I mean, you know, the, the university had to have basically turned a blind eye because I think they would know what classes are legit, what classes are, you know, not. So I, I think a little more of this is going on. I don't know if they're about as big as it was in this case, but still a very much a wild story. Particularly at a school like America's. we have scholar athletes. You know, they're working hard. You know, they're working hard in the classroom and on the and, and on the uh, the, uh, the athletic theater
1: as well, yeah i mean we have we have you know the joke classes or the easy classes, but a lot of these classes at u n c and I'm sure are at most of the college universities, especially with big athletic departments, are bluffs. We mentioned last week that carmelo's g p a one point eight you know four c's and a d, and who's wow. to say that's who's to say that is not still continuing because I think the big the big thing with this, and you're gonna see a lot i think you're gonna see a lot more investigations like this, not widespread across the country, but at schools where I think you know administration and morals will probably dominate over sports. You'll see it a lot in the state schools. The big thing that got me caught me by surprise reading this investigation was the fact of how so many there's so many trickle down effects that Knew about it, but didn't you know have any regard to it? the uh, the acad the uh, the staff on the athletic department, especially in the counseling, the ca- athletic counselors that encourage students to take these classes, and then you know they say they say the coaches had no idea, but I mean that that's what got North Carolina football in trouble the first time with Butch Davis.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: So and, if, and so that's a you know those are a lot of people being held accountable not just from the sports side but from the athletic department side and the administration side that let all this go. And it was interesting, a friend of mine, you know, works at Texas State University, from graduated North Carolina. He was he's told me this week that those classes were open to to anyone. It's saying so that's why it was, it's half student athletes, half regular students. So those those classes were basically designed to fulfill the liberal arts elective requirement. Which makes complete sense, seeing that even an American, we have seen. Flo, you took a class that demonstrated that a famous class known as stress reduction. How was that class?
2: You know, you know, what was interesting about that class. You know, we did have papers in that, but it really wasn't that hard. I didn't do great on the midterm. Of course, I also had my buddy in town the day before, and for a few days before that, so I didn't prepare that well. But you know what we did in that class, you know. I was going in expecting it to be a joke class, and it more or less was. But there was some, like, there was a legitimate, you know, learning on, you know, learning about stress, and learning about, like, stuff like yoga and all that stuff. We had, we had report to do. Uh, we had papers to do. So it was, you know, it was definitely a legitimate class. Of course, you know, uh, almost like an easy which, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Every school has got that. But that wasn't, like, you know, a class where, don't show up, write a paper, write four sentences, you'll get an A. Like these these paper classes. I wish I wish I could take a class like that. You know, I only have a few more credits left and I basically got over the and stuff because I just met with my advisor earlier. So I, I wanna take some joke classes or not take oh well, I have to but you you know how it is being a recent graduate, so uh yeah, I wish I wish I had that opportunity. Well, of course I don't, and that would be academically wrong. Am I right?
1: Yeah, I did take a fantastic volleyball class, coached by American University head coach Sarah, assistant coach Sarah Burnson. The volleyball team, knock on wood, currently undefeated in the Patriot League That's as right. we speak. But speaking of the Patriot League. The B-Flo did some fantastic investigative journalism as our attempt at a midnight madness, or more like a midday madness, kicked Mid-morning off Mid-morning madness. Week. Mid-morning madness. American University men's basketball team. Preseason number one. It's amazing what a year can do. As we were in the gutter in the Patriot League last year, and now the Patriot League is, to quote the proverbial hip-hop phrase, on our nuts as we're number one preseason Pee Wee Gardner made the first team here is the boss Mike Brennan at the Chalk Talk
4: as part of All-American Weekend AU basketball coach Mike Brennan introduced fans to his coaching staff this year's roster and he also took some questions from the audience such questions included what the starting five looks like for next month's opener at Temple for the first game
0: uh that, that's
3: sort of to be determined all right that's sort of to, to be determined um our, our center spot is sort of the i wouldn't say the question mark but we're just trying to figure out what to do there right, and a lot of guys can play things all right so you've got three guys over there that can all play all right they can all get quality minutes and even number uh 35 uh jv he can you know hit, play the center spot so just finding the right combination is what we're sort of doing right now. maybe your chokers on. So then we'll figure and Justin. Then we'll figure out the rest. Whatever else
4: The competition from the Patriot League.
3: I don't think there's a bottom half and top half. Top half and bottom half. Um, any team can beat you know any other team any night. Um, Lafayette yeah, has everyone back. Ole has everyone back. Uh, are, you know, Bucknell's because uh, Lehigh played a bunch of young guys last year, so they're all you know sort of veteran and sophomores now. Um, Holy Cross obviously has a lot of guys back there. Malcolm Miller, one of those sort of dynamic players in the league.
4: for the upcoming season?
3: Yeah, I mean again scheduling's so hard, especially for you know what happened last year. Um, so, but we, we were on the road a ton last year. We were on the road a ton. Um, and you know I, I'd like to be home more but to be honest we're just I think it's a good test. I think it's, it gives you guys a chance to sort of be together a little more um, on the road on the bus.
4: all lessons learned from the loss to Wisconsin in the NCAA tournament?
3: <laughs> I mean, there's, yeah, there's, there's a, a, lot, a lot to learn. Lot to learn. Uh, but to be honest, um, I mean, I'm just thinking about sort of going. I'm, I'm, I have the same thought process as I did last year. It's getting ready for um, the preseason, getting ready for our first game, seeing where we're at, getting better each day. Uh, each team poses a different problem. Um, I mean, Wisconsin posed a lot of problems, right? They had a bunch of pros. Um, I think the way they play, you probably don't hear maybe individual names as much you hear from speak I mean, not Leigh, Becker, you know, those guys are gonna be pros. Uh, so, they posed a lot of problems. I mean, we were just overmatched, and, you know, but we were told the guys to at the game, and then, I so felt bad because I didn't want that to diminish what they accomplished. And they had a great year, you know, winning the championship, winning the Patriots championship on someone else's floor, going to the middle morning, you know, or so where we started, you know, together as a group, collectively, right? That was a heck of an accomplishment for this group. Um, so.
4: The fabled Princeton offense.
3: Guys, now, uh, with, with the Princeton offense and with everything, it's a... Uh, compared to last year, so, you know, I was looking at my notes, uh, we're, we're, we're a lot further along, I think, uh, you know, we have a veteran group, and, you know, again, led by our seniors, uh, led by Sho, led by Pee Wee, um, you know, the, the understanding, all right, the sort of put the book is there, it takes a long time to put stuff in, but sort of their grasping of it, their execution of it, the hardness of the cuts, um, you know, what to look for, set screens, all that stuff were, we're much further um, along. We were able actually to, to start defense uh, a little earlier this year. And I think most teams in the country, you know, every coach said, ah, we're going to put the ball away or we're just going to do this thing. And that's how most, I think most teams in the country start uh, their practices at the beginning of the year. Uh, we're sort of the exact opposite. is uh, all offense. Uh, you know, I think that offense is the hard thing that you gotta, it's harder to get better at. It. All right? And it's the most important part of the game. I think defense, I want to say it's easy, easier to be better at it, but it doesn't respond. require any ball skills. Uh, you don't have to catch or pass or shoot or make a shot. You just gotta be in the right position and look around and care and be tough and uh, competitive. So we, we do a lot of offense early on. Uh, remember uh, JJ actually came back to watch us practice. Around this time, maybe a little earlier. He's like, uh, Well, you guys are going to be good or not? I don't know how you're going to stop anybody, though, because I don't think we did one ounce of defense when he was here. But uh, so that a little bell went off my head. I was like, Okay, we better you know, at least uh, do a shell drill or something. Uh, so we've we started defense a little earlier. So it's allowed us to start defense a little earlier this year.
4: As well as a question from AU Superfan David Aldridge on how deep Brennan's roster will be this season.
3: I can't be honest with you. Um, you know, it's when you you, know, you don't have to worry about foul trouble. You don't have to worry about if you put a guy in what he's going to do you know what what you will do because you have evidence of it in games. But uh, I like the guys that we have. You know, and and I tell them, I tell it to them every day. You know ready for your opportunity. You know, I thought Charlie Jones, you can always say it as a coach, and guys probably hear it all the time, but Charlie Jones was the guy who actually did right? And it was just because of who he is as a kid, as a player. So he took advantage of every opportunity that he had, and that's why he was on the court. I think all our guys sort of seeing that know that, hey, like, I mean, my mind and is not getting a ton of reps you know with the first group or the second group but they, I mean you know, every single time I'm watching him and I notice that he's going hard, he's making plays, he's doing the right thing so you know I tell him that we're going to play the guys that can help us win and hopefully we can add to that group each year you know, so I'd like to play. I'd like to press Q and show up when he's had four more.
1: Patriot League defending champ American University Eagles back at it again. Flow, listening to the wisdom that Mike Brennan preached at Chalk Talk. It seems like nothing has changed.
2: Yeah, you can certainly say that. I, uh, yeah, I've noticed that too, uh, or noted that to other people. Yeah, virtually the same guy. You know, he wasn't, you know, overly cocky. You know, now that the pre can come out, come out, yeah, he is you know, in a flip job, we out the preseason number, what happened? I for, mean, you know, returning so many guys, only losing Rob And that was actually one of the humorous moments was a young kid asked, where's Tony Rob Licky? And, and Brennan, like, came out and gave him a high five. I was like, oh, I love you, the kid. It was hilarious. And apparently he was talking about how he's playing in Germany. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, it, it, there really wasn't that much of a change from when you, me, and your parents were here for All-America Weekend last year when we watched it, really from when I was here watching it this uh, this past weekend. You know, a lot, of, a lot of the same, you know, nuts and bolts. You know, Mike Brannon, he didn't suddenly turn into, you know, he didn't turn into uh, the most charismatic guy. You know, he's certainly not bad. But, you know, a little, uh, you know, work on the fundamentals. He said a little more about defense. And, of course, defense was, of the strength of a club because they were so good at keeping games low and grinding out wins last year. So but it's gonna be interesting to see. You know, I thought it was interesting when he said uh starting line is not set. And he mentioned the center spot, didn't mention the four spot, but he mentioned the center spot. And, you know, he only, and he said that there are three guys that are started that we all knew, you know, Pee Wee, Show, and uh, Jesse Reed. So it'll be interesting, you know, because you have, you know, there's a freshman, uh, you got Zach O'Connor, you got Panzer, the the uh, uh, transfer out of uh, Nevada, Reno. A guy that could also uh, give him uh, some different looks, be a big guy. Doesn't have a great inside game yet, but, uh, you know, can shoot more really well for the cleaner. But, you know, it's going to be an interesting season, of course. Now the targets on Americans back, including the center the other way around. But, yeah, you know, a lot of same old, same old from uh, the great Coach Brennan this past year.
1: It's interesting, you know, because you're gonna be you're gonna be witness to a tale of two American teams. We ha- we've had the underdog, and now we are the favorite. Do you think it is we are in a worse situation that we are preseason number one?
2: You know, I, I think it's potentially, and it's gonna be interesting to see how we start the year off, especially once you get the Patriots play, Because I wrote about uh, for Amwood uh, that you know this is gonna be interesting this year, you know, because last year expectations were low there was a new coach so there was uh you know some curiosity about that and you know it was a it was it was it was a roughly veteran team but it was also a team the year before that had a that had a pretty me- mediocre year last year of the uh of uh the, yeah you know, the coach uh, Jones uh tenure, Jeff Jones tenure. So um but I think that I think this is you know, they return a lot of guys, very strong club. Uh, and you know, it's gonna be key with that little blicky because who's gonna be fill that spot because he really was, you know, a key piece offensively, you know, being a distributor, the around, especially the one the uh the legendary one handed foul shot, which he, he says he still does. So it's you know, they definitely gonna have the target on the back, of course. Now everyone's going kind of after it. And I and I think you made a great point, you know, the Patriot League, he was the really bottom of the league. The games are still very competitive. There's, there are very few easy wins on the schedule. So it's going to be interesting to see how the season plays out, particularly at first. But, I, you know, expectations are high, and quite frankly, for good reason.
1: I think the only downside that American could have is, you know, Brennan said at the best of the bench. You know who is coming off this bench because that because in the center spot in a in a conference that is so center heavy that always is dominant from the outside in. You know Ro- is as goofy as he was in the post with the one-handed foul shots, he led the league in blocks and was defensive player of the year, which just took everyone by surprise. Yeah, you're not, you're now filling a role with guys didn't necessarily, you know come into a role wanting to embrace it. You know, Zach O'Connell has a, you know, has has the skills to be a good center cuz he's got the height, he's got the mechanics. You know, Kager was star starter last year. I think Panzer, you know, I just might fly to DC just to see a game, just to see yeah. him play. Yeah. He is a big man that can shoot the 3. Now that is a rarity in the Patriot League. Yeah, you know, I've Absolutely. never seen someone that can do that. It's always you know a very good guard or a very good post player. Now when you put a guy like Panzer in the game that can that can reign threes and attack the glass, you know, American is, is a favorite. Because how dare the Patriot League, which, you know, I've never seen I've never seen eye to eye with the Patriot League, heart to heart the Patriot League. How dare they put a junior guard from Army as a preseason player of the year? First off, he ain't no NBA talent, he ain't no D League talent, he ain't no European talent. So don't waste my vote with a guy from Army as preseason player of the year. The only true... I mean, because the only thing that Army... You know, Zach Spiker, bless his heart, he's a guy that coaches at the seat of his pants and and gets, you know, a rotation of, like, 15 guys, which Americans' offense is way too... is way too over the head of Army to do that. You know, a, a Jeff Jones offense, yeah, Army would win. But, you know, Army can't beat Brennan, which... He's still got that hint of the lunacy with him, and I love it. Yep. And I, yeah, I love his, I love the East Coast swag he brings because he still got a whiff of the John Thompson with him. You know, I'm not gonna, ba- you know, the bulldog attitude. I'm not gonna back down from anyone. The only truth that that American has, is obviously, our our fake rival against Holy Cross, and then I think Lafayette because Lafayette, by the great Fred O'Hanlon, is uh, is a team yeah. that always comes to to Bender to bring the heat. And then you know Boston, not the same as their best player transferred. So it's wide as much as it is wide open. If AU can can figure out the post early, then this team is going to be fantastic to watch. And of course, I can uh, as I will be going up to Patriot League. Flo and I will be doing a Fanatic Radio live from DC sometime yes. in the 2014 calendar year. Yes. But if not, you can always watch the action on the the free Patriot League Network. Much like you can get 1-800 flowers, beautiful bouquet of roses or tulips, or daisies. 40% off. Click the link on beeflow360.com on this show's page, and you can get some beautiful flowers headed your way. Any final thoughts below sure.
2: before we end the show? You know, I want to give a shout-out to... You know, also, we never made our NBA Finals predictions. A And B, I want to give a shout-out to Spornstone is back. Yeah, and I know the show that you love more than anything else. beyond this show, of course. Sports Zone fresh episode. I posted it earlier today. It it it, it Sports Zone is back. That's all I can say, check it out. Go to uh, follow me on Twitter. You know, add people to 360 Facebook page, blog, all that jazz. But uh, yeah, Sports Zone is back, my friend.
1: Who is your pick to? Who is your NBA Finals preview? Uh,
2: I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna be very original. San Antonio Spurs, Cleveland Cavaliers. I got the Spurs winning it all. So it's <laughs> all
1: I think, you know, as much as the Caval- Cavaliers team is very good, but, you know, after reading Sports mm-hmm. Illustrated and, and sort of looking at the X's and O's, I could see the Chicago Bulls winning the East. Very just good to the, Just to the fact that interiorly there's no way Anderson Verjan can keep up with, you know, because Joakim Noah just plays out of his mind. And I think Tom Thibodeau emphasizes defense so much that the Bulls will win. Because Derek Rose is kinda of come back, you know, guns ablazing and ready to rock and roll. I guess he's Chicago. And then, you know, you can't you can't not pick the San I think the San Antonio Spurs will make it back to the finals. Greg Povich finds some I you know I, you know, he is one of the greatest coaches in NBA history because he finds a way. He has played the system. You know, the NBA can do everything. They can shorten games, they can find him money for not bringing his players. You know, Popovich comes back and Criticizes the Suns owners of putting them in a chicken suit, and yet you know Pop does not back <laughs> down for anything. That'd be a fantastic finals. Spurs and the Bulls. That is my pick for the NBA finals. But I think the I think a, t- a dark horse team like the like the Dallas Mavericks, or you know, or even the Golden State Warriors could make it interesting. But mm-hmm. it all depends. That's why we get paid to be on the radio. Yeah. Of course, I also do want to give a shout-out to uh, the soccer world, the United States men's national team. Uh, as woeful as we've been performing, it gets even worse. As November, we have a slate of games. We face Ireland, who is one of uh, the surprising teams in, in Euro Cup qualifying. And we have scheduled a November 14th date against James Rodriguez and Colombia. in, Columbia, in London. London, a very interesting matchup where we are going to get rocked. But yeah, those are exciting games uh, for the U.S. men's national team heading forward. I also do you want to give a shout-out to El Clasicos, the sort of Red Sox-Yankees rivalry of the soccer world. Real Madrid takes on Barcelona this Saturday. Luis Suarez Ooh. returns for Barcelona. It'd be great to see him against Cristiano Ronaldo who is just a few goals away from breaking the all-time Champions League record. And then you got Messi who's going to break the all-time La Liga record, it's just going to be fight,
2: blood, yeah.
1: and all in Spanish where no one can understand it. That is this Saturday, but from all of us here at Fanatic Radio, check out bflow360.com for this episode, a special 1-800-Flowers deal. The podcast yeah. on iTunes and blogtalkradio.com slash Radio. We'll be back next week after a wild Martinsville race to break down the chase as it goes That's to right. Tejas. Flo, I think you might be taking over the show next week because I'll probably be in Texas uh, TMS that weekend.
2: You know, and not only that, it's going to be wild because I'm going to be coming to you live from the campus of the University of Missouri after I do four hours of their student radio earlier, and then I get an hour off, and then we're going to do fanatic radio for after. It's going to be a wild day. It's going to be a wild weekend as being uh, in uh, central Missouri. How about that? Probably. Probably one of the not not a pretty great tourist destination at all. But hey, you know, what can I say? I'll be flying into Kansas City. We're gonna I think we're gonna go to the legendary Oklahoma Joe's. Mm. We'll you don't wanna you don't it. wanna yeah. miss
1: you don't wanna miss Float's Halloween spectacular next week of yeah. Fanatic Radio. For all of us F F by R one hundred <laughs> flowers. Notorious <laughs> Ben Florence, I'm Mike Gardner saying, you know, we're not crazy, we're just fanatics. So long everyone
2: <laughs>